next week. So just wanted to let you guys know, uh, excited to continue our series on healing. Today we're going to uh, go in a different direction though. Are you guys up for that? All right, cool. Um, I, I wanted to share one piece of news uh, with the church just to let you guys know. Um, we are super fortunate and blessed. My wife and I are, well, she's pregnant with our first child. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. We're really pumped and have little to no idea what we're doing. And that's okay. We signed up for that. How many of you can relate to sometimes having little to no idea of what you're doing in life? We can probably just close in prayer, maybe get someone to pray for us today and call it a day. Um, You know, I want to kind of, uh, we're going to talk about something today, and today's message, there's going to be some things that you're probably going to take notes on, there's going to be some things that kind of hit you, and I just want us to just begin by opening up our hearts right now to maybe something God wants to implant in us. Sometimes we just need to intentionally, how many of you know, like you have a gate and you get to open that thing up. Worship has been amazing, but right now I feel like the Lord just wants to drop some things in our hearts. So Holy Spirit, we just say yes and amen. We just open up our gates right now to you, Jesus, and we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I heard this joke. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, Reasons why I need God is because life is like chess, and I don't know how to play chess. (laughs) You know... We've been going after healing, and how many of you begin to see Jesus as healer more clearly? That when, when our lens is changed, when our lens starts to shift, we actually see things clearer through that lens. Today, I want to talk about growing in God's voice, and we're going to talk about a key to unlocking God's presence in our life. And so um, we're, last time I spoke, we looked at a passage in Matthew. Today, we're going to look kind of all over the place. We're going to go really fast. We're going to just be dumping stories. We're going to be painting a picture about something. You guys up for this? And, and we're going to start in the book of John. So I kind of want to give a little bit of context to the book of John. So if we could put up the Gospel of John, I want to show you guys a couple key things. You know, the Gospel of John actually starts with this glory poem. Then it goes into this, this uh, recounting of Jesus meeting his disciples. I love when Jesus meets his disciples for the first time. It's like some of the best stories like, in all of Scripture. It, it's where Jesus shows up and he just starts renaming people. You know, he, he, meets, he, he meets Peter and he, re, well, he renames him Peter. You know, he, he meets someone he's like, hmm. We're going to call you Cephas, which in the Greek means Peter, which the translation is rock. He meets Nathaniel, totally speaks into his life. He starts renaming people as he meets them. And then we see in chapters 2 through 10, this miraculous signs and wonders, these, these healings, and they always sparked controversy. They always sparked controversy of who Jesus is. He's revealing his nature through signs and wonders and healings. He's releasing the kingdom and and really taking the veil away from this kingdom of God that he is now ushering in, and it's always met with controversy. Well, is he, I thought that was, you know, I thought that was Joseph and Mary's son. Is he a prophet? And He's the son of God now? I saw him working at the carpenter shop a couple years ago. Always met with a level of controversy that, that, that whether it was from uh, those that knew him personally or those that heard about him, maybe a Pharisee, a teacher of the law. And then it goes on, the, the, the other sections of John, uh, it really the pinnacle healing, the pinnacle mir- miracle is the raising of Lazarus. 
It's amazing. We're not going to go into any of that today. Uh, and then chapters 13 through 17, really about Jesus, his most uninterrupted teachings in all of Scripture. If you want to read, uh, uh, how many of you know Jesus was interrupted a lot by people? Mostly his disciples. Okay. Maybe that didn't hit home with you as much as it did with me, but... You know, Jesus was interrupted constantly, so we have these small stretches throughout the Gospels of Jesus' teaching. This section, John 13 through 17, is the longest uninterrupted stretch of Jesus speaking. If you're like, I don't know where to start in my Bible, or, you know, you've been reading your Bible for years and years, and it feels a little dry, go to this section and get that thing rekindled. I'm telling you, you're going to see Jesus uninterrupted, uh, the most uninterrupted intimate teachings in the scriptures is Jesus here in, in these uh, chapters. And in chapters 18 to 20, Jesus' death and resurrection resurrection and the spirit. Really important here because Jesus prophesied about his death and resurrection, but now he begins to release the Holy Spirit. Super big deal. It, it completely changes the old covenant into the new covenant in, in that passage. And then finally, uh, the epilogue is a picture of discipleship that we'll, we'll, we'll share about a little later. If we had to summarize a thesis for the book of John, it's this. The book of John is summarized in one verse. If we could put that slide up is so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that by believing, you may have life in his name. We can close in prayer again. Just take off for the day. When we talk about earlier that introduction, this glory poem is how the book of John actually starts. Uh, the word was God. The word was with God. It's actually structured like a poem. It's this beautiful introduction of who Jesus is. The word became flesh. We, we, we see this poem, and it actually contains this amazing thing. Did you know Jesus? It says that his glory is now being revealed, that it says that there was a glory over the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, and Jesus was that glory. Now that glory is made human in Jesus. That, that, that we see this introduction as to who Jesus is in this really powerful way. How many of you um, love hearing God's voice or want to grow in hearing God's voice? There's nothing like hearing God's voice. Hearing God's voice and connecting to his voice, connecting to maybe an act of obedience he's calling us to or a direction he might be giving us or just simply that everyday heartbeat of Jesus in our life. Hearing the whispers of heaven can be louder than the loudest problems we face. The, those whispers of heaven are important. Well, well what are we going to do today? How can we, how can we take more steps forward in that is this. We've been seeing Jesus as healer, and we're seeing more healing. Today, I want to look at Jesus as prophet so that we can move in prophecy. I want to look at Jesus as prophet so that we can just personally grow in what he is calling us to step into in life. Does this make sense? You know, in the first section of John here, Jesus is given all these titles in verses 19 through 51. He's the Lamb of God, he's the Rabbi, he's the Son of God, he's the Son of Man, he's the Messiah, he's the King of Israel, and he's Jesus of Nazareth. This is all in the first chapter of John, because it's, it's painting a picture of who he is and who he is. But it says this, why don't you guys open up your Bibles with me to, to John 1, verse 43. I want to talk real briefly about this, the way that Jesus actually handled himself as prophet. That Jesus was not just the Son of God, he was... Jesus was the, the fivefold ministry that we read. Does this make sense? The, 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 in, in Ephesians 4.11, I know, guys, I'm going to go, it's just going to be 
all day today, okay? Just stay, stay with me. I promise we're painting a picture. Ephesians 4.11, we see the gifts of Christ given to the, given to the church for the building and equipping of the saints is what we commonly refer to in our stream as a five-fold ministry. Do you guys know what the five-fold are? Go ahead and shout it. Apostle, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors. Did you know Jesus perfectly was all those things? That Jesus, he gives those gifts because that's who he was. Does this make sense? That when he was walking as a man, he perfectly walked in fullness in all those areas and all those offices. Seeing Jesus as a prophet, I have great news for you. It's going to help us connect to the voice of God in our life. So we're here in John 1, verse 43. This is Jesus calling his disciples. Now he just renamed Peter, which was amazing. Now he's actually going to have an interaction with Philip, but mostly Nathaniel, as Philip went and got Nathaniel. It says this, The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, and finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from uh, Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, We have found the one who, rose, who Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Now Nathanael asked, how do you know me? Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. It's amazing what happens here, that Jesus is operating prophetically from the very onset of the way we see him in the scripture. Did you know Jesus is more prophetic than anyone else in the Bible? I mean, Jesus, when he's meeting his disciples, his glory is being revealed as he just simply gives him a word of knowledge that you were under a fig tree before I called you. That Jesus is seeing prophetically where Nathaniel was, and in doing so, he wins Nathaniel to his heart like that. Now, now what does Jesus do here? Are you guys with me? Now, what does Jesus do here in this passage? Do you guys notice Nathaniel had some prejudice in his heart? He's like, can anything good come from that place? From Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? He had prejudice in his heart. And then it says this. This is just this is amazing. This is how Je- this is what Jesus' ministry is like. If you want to model something for your prophetic ministry, model it after Jesus' prophetic ministry. Maybe that's a good idea. It says this. When when Nathaniel came to him, verse 47. Yeah, when Nathaniel uh, came to Jesus, he said, Jesus, here is a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Uh, it feels like Jesus, I don't know if you met, you're off, Jesus, you're prophesying wrong. Jesus, there is deceit in him. He has prejudice in his heart. What? Jesus actually calls people for how they're created to be, not how they are. Did you know that? That Jesus' ministry prophetically is calling people who are, how they're created to be, not how they actually are. Peter was going to disown Jesus a couple times. Peter is just kind of a hot mess for a lot of scripture. You know, he's like, Lord, should we call down fire on that area? He's like, you don't know what spirit you're of. Jesus disowns Peter, but yet Peter was named the rock by Jesus. The wobbly one was named the rock. You know, when Jesus comes into your life, he's going to start speaking into your life. He's going to do stuff in your life. And I have news for you. It doesn't matter if Jesus came into your life 30 years ago, 20 years ago, or 20 minutes ago. Jesus is going to start speaking those things of how he created you to be into your life. Does this make sense? 
what are we doing here? I'm trying to paint a picture of what prophetic ministry is with Jesus. That Jesus perfectly fulfilled the prophets. It says this in Deuteronomy 18, 15. This is, where, this is where when Philip came to Nathaniel and he said, this is the one that Moses and the prophets wrote about. Well, this is what Moses wrote about Jesus. He says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. You know, have you ever thought, who, let, let's do this. Who's your favorite Old Testament prophet? Elijah. Isaiah, guys, I lead a ministry school. It's okay. It's okay. Isaiah, Elijah. Samuel, Samuel. yes, Samuel. How awesome was Samuel? Anyone else? Amen. 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 Okay. All right. We got ladder prophets. We got minor prophets here. Zechariah. Did you guys know that it was Jesus talking to Elijah? It was Jesus talking to Samuel. It was Jesus talking to Isaiah. It was Jesus talking to Amos. That Jesus was the voice of the prophets. And then we see Jesus kind of come on the scene here in the New Testament. And have you guys ever noticed that Jesus, he does things um, constantly in the New Testament. We see Jesus reading people's thoughts. And he's like, why is that thought in your heart? He would walk into a room and before the Pharisees or teachers of the law could question him, he would already know the bents of their own heart. He's, he's walking around reading people's minds. He understands what people are going through. Jesus shows up not to, Jesus shows up to fulfill the law. And, and, and he's beginning to paint a picture now of what it looks like to walk in the kingdom. Does this make sense? What else does Jesus do? Jesus foretold a future. One of the things that prophets do, there's three primary roles of prophets in the Old Testament and the New. It's to be God's spokesperson. It's foretelling future events. It's moving in signs and wonders and miracles. Jesus was constantly talking about his death and resurrection, that it was so pinnacle, he prophesied about that more than everything else. And, and many people around him didn't understand because he talked in parables. He predicted the coming of the Holy Spirit. He predicted the destruction of the temple. He prophesied the, uh, about uh, his coming return, which we should be a little excited about. That's a good thing. That Jesus was constantly revealing who the Father was through his ministry. Now, are you guys with me still? We're going to shift gears a little bit. Jesus walked prophetically in his life, meaning he operated prophetically. We see him foretelling. We see him foretelling. We see Jesus moving in signs and wonders. We see Jesus just operating in words of knowledge. You guys remember the story of Jesus before he was going to Jerusalem. He told his disciples, go ahead of me, and I want you to, to, to find a donkey that no one's ever ridden on. And if anyone gives you trouble, he says, tell them that the Lord needs it. And so it says that they went, and this is in, in Luke, and they went, and they found the donkey, and they got a little bit of pushback, and the owner was like, why are you taking this? He's like, the Lord needs it. It was a good enough answer, and they got the donkey to Jesus. You know, that fulfilled Hosea saying that, behold, here comes your king riding humbly on a donkey. Did you guys ever think about this? Did you, it says this. It says that, that that donkey was unbroken. 
It was never ridden. Have you guys ever tried to ride a horse that was unri- unbroken? Have you ever tried to ride an animal that, that was unridden? That thing is going to be kicking and bucking and moving and squirming. But what happens? Jesus says, no, that's the one I want. Why? He's foreshadowing. My presence can ride on anyone. You know, that his presence can, how many of you know, your unbroken stuff, Jesus can still come into. You're, that, that stuff in your life that's not perfect, guess what? Jesus is not even worried about it. He actually might even call you to the front. Does this make sense? I'm, I'm like to the forefront with him. And you're like, well, I'm still going through transformation. Awesome. Guess what? You're with the transformer. You don't have to go through all these ministry schools. I lead a ministry school. I'm super for it. But I'm here to tell you, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. That Jesus, he, he actually will select the unbroken one, the, the one that's never, the, the one that's still a little wild, that's like a little banshee inside. Why? Because he can come and settle those unbroken areas. So, so, Jesus is constantly revealing himself prophetically. Are you guys okay for a couple more stories? I know, this isn't a three-part message. This is like a 70-part message. But this is about painting a picture of Jesus as prophet. You know, the Quran in, in, uh, in the, the Muslim faith, did you guys know that Jesus is in the Quran, their holy book? Did you guys know that Jesus is in there and he's revered? Did you know he's in there as a holy man? Did you know he's referred to as prophet? But he's not referred to as son of God. So what we do as a church sometimes is the church historically sort of gently kind of talks about Jesus as prophet because other religions, this makes sense, have made him only prophet. Guys, listen, he is the prophet of prophets. He is the promise of the prophets. He is the son of God. Just just like he is healer, he is prophet. He's prophesying. You don't even know he's prophesying in the scriptures. Are you guys still with me? I'm going I'm to paraphrase this, then we're going to read another passage here in a moment. He says this. In, in, in John 2, this is the first miracle of Jesus, that Jesus goes to a wedding, and he turns about 120 gallons of water into wine. And it says that this revealed his glory, that his glory has always been available since the moment that he stepped foot in a human figure. Now, his glory is hidden in you for the world to know. But it says it revealed his glory. Do you ever think about this? It says that the, the, the host at that wedding and everyone there said, wow, the host of this wedding saved the best wine for last. It was, a, it was overwhelming, the amount of generosity. You know, really great wine uh, tastes like just grape juice. It's not overly fermented. So they began drinking this of, wow, this is so pure. You saved the best for last. They didn't know Jesus did it, but his disciples knew that he moved the water into wine. Well, what were they doing? Jesus is, saying, is sitting there letting them prophesy over him that, that, that Jesus came as the last arm of that old covenant and is now perfectly crossing T's and dotting I's of the law and fulfilling the prophets, and they are prophesying over him that the best, the very best of the old covenant is now here in Jesus. But he's also the bridge to the new. 
So the old covenant ceiling becomes new covenant believer's floor. And he start, he, does this make sense? Do you guys remember the woman at the well? I know, we're going, it's like, dude, how many scriptures? I don't know, we got a lot here. Why don't you guys open your Bibles to John 4? This is probably the last one that we'll camp on here for a moment. John 4, the woman at the well. It says this, John 4, verse 15 through 24. This is a quick story of Jesus meeting a woman, and Jesus says, uh, he sits by this well where his disciples go to a village to get food, and he sits by the well, and a woman comes out to, to draw water, and Jesus says, give me a drink, and she says, you know, you don't have anything to gather water from. I can't give you a drink, and Jesus says, um, give me a drink, and uh, you know, if you asked, if you knew who I was, I would give you a drink that never runs dry. He's starting to just to, to reveal himself to this woman. We're going to pick up here in verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me that water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go back and call your, hus- go, uh, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the, the, man, you know now, the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Did you know that Jesus does not correct her? He does not correct her. There's another passage in Mark 6. We know about this passage, but you have to remember who's saying it. Mark 6, 3 says, isn't this the carpenter? The son of Mary, after James, Joseph, and Judas, and Simon and his brothers? Aren't, aren't, aren't. Aren't he, isn't Jesus just, just one of those guys? And they took offense at him. But Jesus, verse 4, says, Prophets are honored by everyone except the people of their hometown, their relatives, and their family. So Jesus could not perform many miracles except heal the sick in his own hands. How many of you know Jesus was just referring to himself as a prophet? So what is the implication of Jesus being prophet for us? Did you know we now live in a time, we work, this, is a, this is a period of time that we live in called the end days. It's not the, end, it's not the last day, but these are the last days. These are the end days. And what are the promises? Just, let's just talk about this for a moment. I want to connect dots. What are the promises of the last days? If we could bring up Acts 2, it says this. I promise, you guys still with me? I promise we're going somewhere. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. So how is it that this, this, this Jesus, who is the perfect prophet, who is the promise of the prophets, who perfectly fulfills the law, who's prophesying the whole time he's moving around, he's doing stuff prophetically, you don't even know he's doing prophetically in the scriptures, He's revealing himself through wine. You don't even know he's revealing himself through wine. He's revealing himself to a woman and doesn't correct her when she says you're a prophet. What are we talking about here? Well, how do we now in our life begin to, to move with Jesus in that space? You know, how many of you found this, that sometimes God won't give you your transactional request to hear his voice? What I mean by that is this. Lord, should I go left or right? How many of you have been at that intersection and it feels like God's not speaking? Oh, I, you know, I need to go to another prophetic training to, like, know that. Listen, Jesus is going to speak to us relationally more than he will transactionally. Right. 
Does this make sense? That you're going to find your steps being ordered by the Lord by walking with him. That you're going to have a whisper behind your ears, according to Isaiah, with this new covenant people that are now walking with the Lord. And there are times, aren't you grateful, he does speak transactionally. But his primary method of speaking to us is going to be relationally. It's going to be revealing through the scriptures. It's going to be on a daily basis. Listen, you guys are crazy Jesus people. Did you know that? The only people who doesn't know that are you. Everyone in your life knows you're wild about Jesus. Everyone in your life knows. Anyone who's not in this church that you know knows you're that weird Jesus person. You, the last, they, they, they know you're connected to God. Can I just say that? The, la, the only person who doesn't know how connected to God you are is you. You, you think other people are going to hear God's voice more. But you're actually in the last days where his spirit is being poured out on all flesh. So let's pivot this to John 16. You don't have to go there because I know you're probably getting dizzy with the Bible. It says this. You know, did you know that, how do I say this? Have you ever heard the saying, if you want a prophet's anointing, get around a prophet? You know, the, the saying that more in the kingdom is caught than is taught? That you get around a prophet, you become like a prophet. We see this in the Old Testament. You get around a prophet, Saul becomes a prophet. Did you know that you have a personal prophet named Holy Spirit who's living inside of you? Like, like you have a prophet living inside of you. It, it, it says this in John 16, verse 12. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples in this really big uninterrupted section of Jesus revealing these intimate teachings. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is to come. Verse 14, he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive and will make known to you. Verse 15, all that belongs to the father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. That voice who is speaking to Isaiah is speaking to you right now. That the Holy Spirit actually only does what he hears Jesus say. Did you know that? If you're like, oh, man, well, you know, Jesus was walking around with the disciples. I just have the Holy Spirit. It's sort of like a dumbed-down version of Jesus. No, that, that, that's how sometimes we think. We think that the Holy Spirit is a sort of diluted version of God's presence. Why? Because we don't see him as prophet who's speaking. That the Holy Spirit, you have a personal prophet living inside of you named Holy Spirit. Did you know you don't have to go to the prophet of God or prophet of the woman of God to hear the Lord? Did you know that? And I love those prophets. I bring them in all the time. I have them lay hands on me, but you don't need to go because you've got the prophet living inside of you. Am I making sense here? is that, that, that you might think you don't hear from God, you're believing a lie. It's actually not biblical. Here's how I can prove that you hear from God. Because you responded to him, and according to the scriptures, you don't come to God of your own accord, it's you responding to his voice or his presence. You heard God before you ever knew him. You'd be amazed by how many people hear from God that don't go to church. It got quiet in here. I want to get back to that moment 
that, that, that point of relational. You know, I was going through, I had a, about, uh, this is a, about 18 years ago, <clears throat> I had a decision to make, and it was a really big life decision. How many of you can relate? Sometimes it feels paralyzing, that you're like, do I go left, do I go right? And I was at this intersection, and um, I mean, I did all the stuff. I was praying, I was seeking counsel, I, you know, everything was okay, but this was going to really shift the trajectory. I, I, you know, just totally shift the trajectory of my future and my life. And, uh, you know, at this point, I was young Sean, I was like 24, you know, and uh, I just didn't know what to do. I was in a position, I didn't know what to do. And I'll never forget this, I was in a worship service, and it was just an amazing time with the Holy Spirit. And... I saw this picture of Jesus, and he came right up beside me, and he put his arm around me, and he looked at me and said, this is a tough decision. And I remember it totally changed my perspective. He didn't tell me what to do, but he revealed he's with me in it. Does this make sense? That oftentimes, you might be looking for God to make a decision that he just wants to be in, he wants to be in it with you, more than he wants to make the decision for you. I know, some of you are on breaking boxes right now. I can feel some. Listen, we seek God's will, but you have to understand that he's a co-laborer, that he calls you friend. And he is so empathetic to your circumstance and situation that he's not outside of it trying to tell you how to get better. He's not outside of it trying to give you a future. He's actually in it with you. He is God with you. He is Emmanuel inside with you. He's inside of your stuff. He's inside of your stuff more than you ever can realize. It totally changed my perspective. Did I want God to tell me left or right? Still totally. But now I didn't care as much because I knew he was with me. Your biggest problem is not hearing God. Your biggest problem is believing that he's not with you. I want to say that again. Your biggest problem isn't not hearing God. It's that you believe that he's not really with you. I had a friend of mine. uh, She was a CSSM recent graduate. And uh, she was, she grew up in an atheist household. And in that atheist household, uh, her dad, her father, she was about 15 at the time, her father was really teaching her that God doesn't exist and giving her a lot of literature and books to, to read about it. And how many of you know, you play a really big role in the spiritual formation of your family, especially as a parent. And so she's like, oh, okay, like maybe God doesn't exist. And uh, she had this kind of secret little desire to know if God was real. And so what she would do is she started to pray to kind of test if her dad was saying was true or if God was real. Does this make sense? She started to pray, only she had no idea how to pray. So she would look up in the dictionary big words, like, like smart words. How many of you can relate to what I'm saying? Like she, she didn't know how do you pray so God's really smart. If he's real, he's probably like just super smart. I, can't, I need to learn the right phrases to say. Does this relate to anyone in the room? Maybe not. Maybe you guys are too holy, but you know, uh, you know, you got to learn how to pray at some point. And she just was on this this journey, and so she's trying, and she's looking up words, and she's praying these big prayers, and it's kind of exhausting. And she's just like, you know, maybe God isn't real. Like this is, I'm doing everything here, Lord. Like I'm trying everything. It's, but it's just, it doesn't feel like you're present. And uh, one of her friends invited her uh, to go to a youth camp. Her friends invited her to go to a youth camp with her because, well, hold on, because her. Because her friend liked the boy there. And so she's like, come with me at youth camp. I, I like this boy. Just come with me. It's getting real now. Now, yeah. <clears throat> so 
Uh, she's like, all right, that's fine. Like, I, I'll go up there for a day or two. So they go to this camp, and uh, they're in worship and all this stuff. And she's, like, worshiping the Lord. And uh, she's, she's not sure if God's real, though. In fact, she was ready to bail. She's like, her friend's talking with this boy. This was a terrible decision. I know. She's, like, 16, 15, 16 years old, ready to go. And then what happens is a woman comes up and starts speaking to her. And that woman comes up and starts prophesying over her life. Now, that woman was not part of the youth camp. That woman was not part of the church. She has no idea where this woman came from, but the woman told her, I was driving by this facility, and the Lord started to talk to me about you, so I had to come find you. So she pulls over into this facility, goes into this auditorium, and finds the girl that God's speaking to her about. And it, it, it's, it's, this, it's the person I'm describing. She goes over to her, lays hands, and just starts blessing her with God's presence, and prays over her, the Lord says, you don't have to pray big prayers. You don't have to pray, you don't have to, he, he, she, the woman told her, you can close your dictionary, God hears you. You know, that was, that was a formational moment in her life. That was a formational moment in her life, where now she went home, and everything began to be different. Everything began to be different. You know, the way that the woman at the well, Jesus reveals himself as prophet, that is the on-ramp to him revealing himself as Messiah. Prophecy is the on-ramp to revealing Jesus as king. That he was prophet, priest, and king. I love prophetic ministry because it reveals the presence of Holy Spirit. It reveals his nearness, his realness. We're actually just about done. Are you guys okay still? Yeah. Dallas Willard has this uh, just amazing book called Hearing God. And he says this. He says, people are meant to live in an ongoing conversation with God, speaking and being spoken to. That we're actually built and designed to not just need God in a hard moment. We're designed to hear God in moments that we bump into. I remember, can I tell you guys one or two more stories? I remember the first time I heard God's voice, one of the first times I clearly heard God's voice, I was such a broken guy, super broken, totally not walking with the Lord. I was, you know, um, I was like 19 years old, just not walking with Jesus at all. And um, I kind of had this secret relationship where I wanted to, but I was so stuck in sin. I was so broken. I just, I just felt like my feet were in cement and everyone else is like loving Jesus. And I'm like the guy that can't get out of my own way. And, and, and I remember being in, being in bed one night and I was like, I know that you're real. I just, I know that you're real, God. I, I know that I'm not your guy, but I know that you're real. And I remember being in bed and I just, I just started thanking him. Just like, thank you. You know, thank you for this bed. Thank you for this house. Thank you. Just thank you. I just, I had food in my cupboard. I, I, I had stuff to be thankful for. And I remember I would, I, would, I would go to sleep saying thank you. And uh, this one night, I went to sleep, thank you. And then have you guys ever gone to sleep, but you're still sort of in and out of sleep? You're like, does that make sense? You're like about to enter to sleep. It's like this lucid place. And I remember I would close my eyes, falling into sleep, and I was woken by a voice that said, you're welcome. <laughs> I mean, I went from sleepy, groggy to completely up and just repenting before the Lord. How many of you know God's not going to speak into your life and tell you all the things wrong with you? Listen, the devil does that, and he's pretty good at his job. 
Let me tell you who's better at his. The, 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 the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil wants to kill your confidence. You know, I asked, I asked Jesus about that this week. I was like, Jesus, the devil always is trying to steal confidence and kill confidence in believers. What, are, what, are, what do you do about that? And you know what the Lord told me? He goes, I create confidence. He doesn't take what you have and try to make it bigger. He'll give you something totally new. That, that, listen, guys, it's not about praying the right prayers. It's about recognizing that Holy Spirit who's living inside of you is only speaking what he hears Jesus say. What's the point of all this? Listen, it's all about Jesus. No, it's all about Jesus. Like, like all of this creation, it's all is all about Jesus. And Jesus is so willing, so kind, so good. He says, John 10, 27, that my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. You know, one of the ways that you get refreshed in hearing God's voice is to revisit your promises. Did you know that? You need to revisit promises over your life. The promises of God in the scriptures that just really speak to you. So one of, these, one of these wells of refreshment for me, I'll just be transparent with you guys, is 2 Corinthians uh, 5.21, that he who had no sin became sin, so that in him I, I have become the righteousness of God. When I'm feeling discouraged, I go to that well, I go to that promise. And I get refreshed in his presence. One of the ways that we can get refreshed in the God's nature is just recalling his promises over our life. John, the book of John ends the epilogue with this, is that Jesus' followers are most effective when they listen to his voice and simply obey his word. The book of John ends with this story of Jesus' disciples after he was resurrected fishing. You guys might remember this. They're out fishing. Uh, They're just doing what they knew to do. They went back to what they knew because they were disappointed that they didn't understand what happened, that Jesus died and he they just weren't sure, like, what do we do now? Like, the Lord's gone, you know, so let's just do what we know. They go back to fishing, and then here's Jesus resurrected on the beach, and he calls them. And he says, cast out your net over there. And it says that they recognized it was the Lord, cast it out their net, and caught all the fish. How many of you know they were fishing there all night? But the Lord's voice might be counter to what earthly wisdom would say. That the Lord's voice might look different than what the news might say. Can I say that? That the Lord's voice is that place where confidence is created in our life. Why don't you guys stand up? Why don't you guys stand up? I hope this was helpful today. I hope this was uncapping something. If it feels like you've been capped in the spirit, if it feels like you've been capped in hearing God's voice, man, I have some really good news for you. Jesus is saying things about your life right now. It doesn't matter if you have been coming to church every week for a thousand years. It doesn't matter if you come to every church service and every prayer meeting. It doesn't matter if you, you're, you're in here and you're sweating because you're like, man, these are church people here. Like, what am I doing here? If you're listening to this online and a friend gave it to you and you're like, what in the world? Why am I listening to this? Guess what? Jesus still wants to come and cover you in his presence to ride you like that, that unridden, unbroken donkey, the colt 
that he wants to come into our life regardless of where your life has come from and regardless of your journey in hearing God's voice, there's always freshness. He is the creator of your confidence. So just put your hand on your heart. Holy Spirit, we just thank you, Jesus, for just unlocking, God, your voice in our life, that you are the voice of the prophets, that you are the, vo- well, you are the voice in our life right now, Jesus, that you are that sound in the desert, that you're that, you're that whisper in the breeze, that you're that voice thundering on the mountains, that you're the one who, who comes into our circumstances, Jesus. In the hard places, Lord, you create a river. Jesus, in those dry places, you create an oasis of your presence. So, Lord, as right now, I just thank you for coming into every uncertain place. And just use your own words. God, come into every uncertain place in my life. Jesus, thank you for coming and speaking your life into every place, Lord, with promise. Jesus, thank you for unlocking who the Holy Spirit is. Jesus, that he, he is only speaking what he hears you say, that you are one. That you and Holy Spirit and the Father are one. And you've, been, you've united us with yourself. So God, we just thank you right now, and I just say increase Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys.